0: So with that, thank you again, and please welcome Julie Rose.
1: Thanks a lot.
2: Just for those of you who are um, tweeting tonight, it's hashtag WFAEPubCon if you choose to tweet. Uh, and we will talk a little bit more about how you can get involved in the conversation digitally if you choose not to raise your hand. But you are going to be critical to this conversation tonight. That's why we call these public conversations. We do have a panel up here to help uh, guide and offer some expert advice, and we're grateful to them for being here. Um, Ron Ron Carley? Is here to my left, has been Charlotte's city manager for a grand total of three and a half weeks now. So, welcome to Charlotte. (laughs) Before uh, coming to Charlotte, he was the chief operating officer of the International City-County Management Association and had a chance to travel across the country, see a lot of cities, learn a lot of different best practices and worst practices. So we're excited to have his sort of outside slash inside view tonight on the issues we'll be discussing. And then also a long history of service at Arlington County, uh, Arlington County, Virginia, where he was the city manager for nine years and worked there in that government for 30 years total. So welcome again, Mr. Carley. Thanks for being here. to my direct left is Diane Langevin, who is president of the Winterfield Neighborhood Association since 2000. That's over near Eastland Mall, so if you can picture Central and Sharon Amity and Independence right there, uh, that's Winterfield. She'll be telling us more about her neighborhood. Um, she's also very involved in the community. She is uh, a member of the Charlotte East Community Partners, Charmec Court Watch, and the Streetcar Advisory Committee. Uh, She's also adjunct faculty at York Tech, so thanks very much. Here to my right is Tim Timmerman, a founding director of South Mecklenburg Alliance for Responsible Taxpayers, which uh, is SMART for short, so it it may slip out of my mouth tonight, SMART this, or SMART people, and I mean SMART as in South Mecklenburg Alliance for Responsible Taxpayers. (laughs) But they're also very smart, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Also, uh, Tim Termiman is a former professor of operations management in the McCall School of Business at Queens University and the author of a business book titled Winning the Information Game. We do have one empty seat, Vivica is on her way. I think she's ha- hung up in the parking situation, but we'll be here shortly, so we're gonna get underway without her. Um, and I'll just introduce her briefly. She's the president of the Thomas Neighborhood Association in West Charlotte, um, has been there for uh, several years. That's roughly where Freedom and Tuckasegee and I-85 meet, so representing West Charlotte. So again, let's just have a round of applause for our panelists and for you here in the audience. Because you'll be an important part of this discussion for the next hour and a half. Can I just see by a raise of hands, how many of you live in South Charlotte? Okay, good, good. How many of you, oh, there you go. (laughs) Tim's got his peeps here. How about East Charlotte? East Charlotte, okay, great. West Charlotte, West Charlotte folks, okay, good. How about North Charlotte, University Area, and beyond? Good. Good. Okay. Uptowners? Any uptowners? Downtowners? Good. All right. Mr. Carley himself. I'm sure we'll be hearing about that. All right. So here's a question maybe slightly more difficult for you. Raise your hand if you are satisfied, totally happy with the investment that you have received from the city in your neighborhood, whether that's police, roads and sidewalks, utilities, economic development. Totally happy. City's been awesome for your neighborhood. Okay. Good. It's about half of you. That's good. That's probably good for you to see, right, Mr. Kelly? Okay. Um, great. Well, I wanted to give just a little bit of background tonight about what, and this will just take a few minutes, just to kind of set the stage. We talk a little bit about wedge and crescent, which is kind of the jumping-off point to this this meeting tonight, thinking about the different areas of Charlotte, various different needs. So, if you'll indulge me for just a quick moment. Um, To show you a couple of quick slides and I'm going to stand up so I don't have to crane my neck quite so much. These slides actually originated from City Manager Kurt Walton's presentation to the City Council about a year ago when he was presenting the Capital Investment Program, CIP, is what you sometimes hear it called, um, which was, you'll maybe remember, roughly a a billion dollars of projects that was to be funded through an increase in property taxes. The rate would go up in the range of three to four cents, okay? So this is where these came from. And, okay, so the wedge and the crescent concept, this is an image. And I just want you to look at the colors, mostly. You don't have to try and read all the words. Um, When we're talking about wedge and crescent, over here on the left you've got 1970. This is uh, basically we're looking at... um, Uh, Income levels in the Charlotte area, this whole area is the Charlotte area, okay? Income levels, the green is the higher income, red is the lower income, yellow is kind of the in-between, okay? So 1970, this is what Charlotte looked like in terms of income. Switch over here to 2007, and you see this red area along here. That's the crescent. See how it's sort of a crescent shape around uptown, which is right here in the center? Then you've got this green wedge down here of South Charlotte, okay? That's the crescent and the wedge we're talking about. If we could go to the next slide see this a different way. Okay, this is public assistance recipients. Um, uh, Again, this is all from Charlotte Mecklenburg from the city manager. So again, you've got the Crescent. These are folks that are, you know, the percentage of people on public assistance. Down here, more of a wedge, you see that, right? People who are not on public assistance. Let's go to the next one, look at it a different way. School performance, lower school performance is red, more students on um, free and reduced lunch. You can again see Crescent, wedge. All right, and then I think we've got one more here. And this is really important because this is the change in tax value. So um, those that are yellow, imagine that's red, I guess, for right now, just to keep in the color scheme. The the yellow part here, these are uh, areas where you've had the highest depreciation in property values versus an increase in property values in the crescent. And what's important about this is that when you look at all the property taxes that the city of Charlotte collects, Half, half of it comes from right here, in the wedge. Effectively subsidizing the rest of the city to a large extent. So you can imagine then, as you um, look at what different neighborhoods need and what they want, there. I mean, I guess it's not that hard to see why maybe the city council has struggled to come up with a consensus on a plan that will meet everybody's needs. So that's part of what we want to talk about here tonight, and. Um, we have with us Diane and Vivica, who will be here shortly from the Crescent, if you will. We've got Tim representing the Wedge, and a lot of you out here in the audience have seen now where you fall in this picture. Um, let's just start up here, though, on the panel. I was hoping maybe you, Diane, and Tim, and we'll get Vivica in on this when she gets here. If you'd start with us, Tim, and explain for us what you, think, what you see as your neighborhoods, or I guess your part of town's greatest needs are.
3: I think it's important to understand also, if I could harken back to the charts that were just shown, um, it really stops at 2007. Uh, the chart with the crescent or and, and the um, the wedge, if you want to call it that, really is 2007. We've had five years since that uh, time. The data has changed dramatically. While the wedge is still there, it's a a very, very... A fluent part, quote unquote, of of Charlotte, it is not having the strength that it used to. Actually, population has gone down. More than that, uh, this doesn't show what's happening in Union County, South Carolina, and some of the other areas. As a person who made the decision many years ago to come to Charlotte, it frightens me. It frightens us and Smart. The The thing that, if I was to say priorities or needs, when we got together and started SMART in 2011, we started because we said, what's going on here? We're right in the middle of a flawed revaluation. As we speak, we're arguing to get money back for most of the homeowners because these property values that are shown up there were found to be grossly overvalued, other parts of the city undervalued. But those are merely symptoms. If I was to say what should be the priorities and what is the need, the need from South Mecklenburg's standpoint is for the center city to stop wasting our money and get out of our pocketbooks and start spreading it to the east and the west. We all have safety needs. We all have uh, infrastructure needs. South Mecklenburg's no different. The difference is that that perhaps because there's a little more money down, we do a lot of repairing ourselves. But I I, I just don't have any, enough macadam to go out and fill all the potholes and that kind of stuff. So the first thing in terms of a need for South Mecklenburg is to get a new look at the way we tax, the way we share, and the way we act. The thing that's troubling to us is that we've forgotten all about the neighborhoods. We think the way forward is neighborhoods, not Center City.
2: Thank you. And we're going to get into more of that, I'm sure. That will continue to be a conversation. We'll be interested in your thoughts on some of that and yours as well, Mr. Carley. Um, Welcome, Vivica Torrance, West Charlotte. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So, and we'll come back to you on this question. We're we're talking about priorities. What are the greatest priorities in your neighborhood? We'll have Diane go ahead for uh, East Charlotte speaking kind of generally, Winterfield, if you want, specifically.
4: Probably the biggest priority, and I want to go back to the taxes, we were reevaluated on our taxes. Our neighborhood was evaluated on the assessment, $51,000 over our last assessment. We even went and we applied to get them lower. We couldn't sell our houses at the price that we are taxed. Uh, They're well-built houses. That's one of the uh, problems. Another problem is in our area, we have a lot of Section 8, a lot of subsidy houses that needs to be spread out throughout the whole city.
2: You know, it doesn't Section 8, uh, you mean uh, subsidized, this is low-income subsidized housing. housing, yes.
4: The problem with that, I don't mind who lives next to me, is we have a lot of absentee landlords, and, I mean, it is hard to find them. Uh, These um, renters who are in those houses really don't care. I mean, we have uh, some duplexes in our neighborhood, a quadrangle that was totally refurbished four years ago because it was totally demolished. Within one year, it's been demolished again. And it is unfortunate because the other landlords who own those um, duplexes really take good care of them. They're beautiful duplexes. So that is one of our problems. A lot of rentals, a lot of subsidized housing. Uh, I think we need to be much stronger with the housing authority. It's an entity unto itself, and we need to, they need to be more accountable to the landlord. The landlords need to be more accountable and the renters. That's one of the biggest, okay. uh, biggest problems Good. in our area.
2: A lot of things to come back to on that as well. Vivica, let's turn to you. What's the greatest need in Thomasboro? Well, Thomasboro is a really,
5: really big neighborhood. I mean, you're, you're talking about 52 um, 52- areas. And then you've got Beachwood one, Beachwood two. You've got a, a plethora of people that's all gathered there. And the one problem that we have is that a lot of people are renters in the neighborhood. And when you don't have people that are invested into your neighborhood, they're not going to Perhaps be as concerned about the neighborhood, and one of the greatest things that has happened in Thomasboro is that the um, Freedom Division, the police department, has been awarded having the greatest crime area within 2012, 2013, and we're very proud of that factor. But you mean the best, greatest decrease in crime? Decrease? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. A decrease in crime, right? Okay. Because
2: you're proud of the having the most crime. Well, well, yeah. I'm trying to get my head around that. yeah, I'm sure. sorry. It.
5: Because when we think about the West Side, we often think of, you know, this is a horrible place to live. It's not anywhere to raise your children and that kind of thing. But that's not so true. I mean, you've got people that work hard in these neighborhoods. You've got people who are of very, very different classes. And, and I hate the stigma that we put on the West Side. Mm. And that's not true. But the reality of it is there, there, there aren't many um, social activities for people. There aren't any recreation centers. There aren't any walking areas. There are a lot of things that, that, recreationally, we don't have in the north side, and that is a great problem. I mean, right now, the Thomas Borough Rec Center is getting ready to be pulled out. The The Parks and Rec is not going to have them in there anymore. Why? Because that we have the west side schools that were closed down, and so now you've got all these kids being compact into one building, I mean, to, to satisfy... Uh, project lift and all of these kind of things. So you have a lot of aspects to look at mm-hmm. when you're looking at um, the west side. Right. And so one of our biggest areas is not just not crime because we've got a handle on that part of it, but we've got a lot of renters and we don't have any recreation. We don't have anything really to sell people to come to our neighborhood.
2: Okay, good. So, Mr. Carley, um... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just interested. Did you interested. want me to ask some
6: follow-up questions
7: <laughs> on the panel?
2: No. Leave the questions to me for a moment. Um, <laughs> um, I am curious, though, in your, in your experience, what a city can do. I mean, one of the things that both Vivica and Diane both mentioned was um, this, this issue of renters versus homeowners mm-hmm. and you know, being able to improve that balance. Are there things that the city itself can do to address that?
6: Uh, yes, and, but not by itself. Um, We were, at ICMA, we were doing some work a couple of years ago with a very distressed city uh, outside of Detroit. Um, And and it was a neighborhood that was a traditional working class neighborhood, uh, very much like the kind of neighborhood I grew up in, in Birmingham, Alabama and uh, it had really the whole area taken a beating in the economy and was increasingly renters and absentee landowners and as you went through the neighborhood you could see it was right there on the cusp is it going to just fall off the cliff or is it going to be rescued and, and be renewed and as i have seen in some homes some neighborhoods in charlotte you go through it and you can see uh, homeowners that have carefully manicured their lawns and their gardens, and, and are really carefully taking care of their homes, and then down the street, you know, sort of a shell of a house. So there, there are several things that are necessary to come together in order to renew neighborhoods and to sustain them over time. And certainly, the city bears a significant amount of responsibility there. And and this is where I see many cities make a mistake. You've got to do it in partnership with the people that live in the neighborhood. Uh, the thing that we were doing in this neighborhood in, outside of Detroit was specifically community organizing, helping people take some initiative to define their own future. And one of the questions I asked them is, uh, To what extent have you engaged the renters in your neighborhood? And they actually had not. Uh, and so I think, you know, trying to, first of all, people like the Folks on the panel here, this is part of the solution. It's having people who are willing to step up in unpaid volunteer positions, take a whole lot of grief from a whole lot of people, fight City Hall, (laughs) bang their their heads against City Hall. Uh, But that that becomes a vital ingredient. And what, what I want to get a better understanding of in Charlotte is how do we in City Hall then partner with those neighborhoods? and engage them not by just telling people what we're going to do or what budgets we're going to pass, but actually having a conversation about the relative priorities in those neighborhoods and helping facilitate the, the not just a conversation, but action that includes the people who live there, the businesses that are there, the institutions, the anchor institutions in neighborhoods to really help people define their own futures.
2: Okay. So you have the city manager's ear tonight, folks. <laughs> um, we have a number of ways for you to participate in this conversation, share your thoughts on what you think your neighborhood needs. Um, I'd be particularly interested to know, were you uh, advising him? Mr. Carly, you are right now in the process of putting together your own version of the CIP, the the capital investment program that you will present in a couple of weeks. Well,
6: let me lower that bar real quick, (laughs) Uh, because I I came in on the City Council's last workshop, which meant about four days later, the budget goes into production.
1: Right.
6: And so um, there's not going to be much of my stamp on this CIP. It's going to be very similar uh, to what has been out there previously. Uh, But one of the things that's important to understand about a CIP, it's just a plan, you know. It's, it's a point for conversation, and and CIPs change and evolve as the conversation continues and as the opportunities present themselves.
2: So I'd be interested to know uh, were you to advise him on what to include, what to not include, as he's making some final. Uh, you know, uh, adjustments to, for next to this plan. Yes, <laughs> future understanding that he's you know does not have the advantage of having of having come in late in this in this particular instance. But we're should be advising him on priorities, how the city should be spending his money. What what would some of those things be? So be thinking of that. Um, we have a number of ways for you to participate in the conversation, and I think we'll get a slide on that in just a minute. Um, we have. First of all, the hashtag, if you want to tweet, you can always have that conversation. Hashtag WFAE We have a couple of microphones here. Um, one here and one over here. You can flag down one of our microphone people. And I think we also have an email address. Is that right? Pubcon at WFAE.org. You can tweet. I mean, you can, you can, uh, you can, uh, text is the word I'm looking for. You can send a text to that, that email address or send a, send it from your smartphone right now. If you'd rather not, raise your hand and stand up. And that will be submitted to our own um, person over here who's going to curate that. And we'll get those involved in the conversation as well. So I just, as you're thinking of questions, I, I do want to bring up one thing um, just as a, a topic of conversation because it has been a part of this from the beginning this last year. It's the streetcar. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I feel like we ought to just put it out there. Um, but, I you know, I, I want to actually kind of take it just from the context of you know, we hear what? because this is one of the things that the former city manager and Mayor Anthony Fox have talked about as something that could help could address the problems that both the East and the West are talking about um, his view, and i'd like I'd like to hear what you think about how a streetcar could. could it really I mean, would that really help you, Vivica, to have a connection from your side of town? To Center City to Eastland Mall. Of
5: course, by all means. I mean, you're talking about people in this day and age that are looking for jobs, and when people are not, when people do not have the access or the means to get to where they need to take care of their families, there is going to be a problem. So, whatever it's going to take to help them to get where they need to be, are the buses not sufficient? Well, to some to some extent. I, I personally don't ride the bus on a regular basis, so I don't really know how that works. But for the most part of it, when people are trying to get places at a certain time frame. I think that's the problem. If a person has to be at work at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm not sure if they need to get there at 4 o'clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a time frame that you've got to look at. So I mean, I think there's a lot of things to look at when you're talking about the regular job.
2: Well, I mean, Diane, the would, would a streetcar, do you think, address this concern you have about property valuation, about, about people who you know, renters versus homeowners, which is sort of a fundamental concern for you?
4: Definitely. I'm on the committee when it first started. So we have done all the studies, and Central Avenue is a very vibrant area. It's very international. We have the best restaurants in town, great shopping. Eastland Mall is being developed. It would help our communities, and it would also help the educational institutions. You have Johnson C. Smith, and Dr. Ron Carter has just done a miracle. And if you have not been to the west side, Mosaic Village, and you have not seen it. You need to drive there. You will be astounded as what you see. It would connect the east and the west. It would connect Johnson C. Smith, Johnson & Wales, Central Piedmont, the nursing schools, when students have to go from one college to another. The parking is a big problem. It would, and what they say, buses connect people to different places. The streetcar connects neighborhoods to neighborhoods. It connects businesses Uh, You can hop on a streetcar, go take a bite to eat, get back on the streetcar, come uptown and look at, come see a play. The streetcar is something totally different. It's unfortunate. East Charlotte and West Charlotte asks for very little, and we get almost nothing. We get the crumbs, literally. Every time the streetcar was put on the budget, oh, we're going to put it back. Charlotte East, East Charlotte. You know, they don't. It's like we don't mean that much. But we do a lot within our neighborhoods. If you really want to see dedicated volunteers, come to East Charlotte. And I'm sure I know a lot of volunteers in West Charlotte. We really put our volunteer hours in, sometimes more than our working hours.
2: Mr. Timmerman, I know you have an opinion on this topic.
3: Well, as the group that probably would pay the lion's share, uh, my only concern represents SMART here is that what kind of gateways do the monies have to go to, to even go through, to even get to the East and the West? The, the the thing that troubles us in the South is that for so long, the East and the West have been neglected. A streetcar isn't going to solve this neglect. It is only a symptom and, and a, a Band-Aid on a more core issue in this town, and that is if we could go back to one of the charts. In 1970, the center city was red. Today, center city is green. Everything around center city is red. Now, you say, what is wrong with this picture? Well, what we've seen, there are 22 people on the board of directors for their center city partners. Now, they give a grant to the the east side, in that neighborhood, I'd like to see grants to all the neighborhoods so we can all get together. Maybe there are better ways to to get uh, the unique characteristics of the, of the neighborhood recognized. The neighborhoods are lost. They are forgotten. And and the only thing, this is why we started SMART, the only thing is say, hey, bring your money. Well, it's not getting to them. It's not getting to you. Where's it going? And, and, you know, you've got 22 people on a board of directors for the Center City Partners, starting with the Charlotte Observer, going on down through virtually every every mover and shaker up here. When you talk about Ed Crutchfield this last weekend in his interview with the the Charlotte Observer said the reason they focused on Center City is so they could attract the people for their banks. Those people are now living in Union County. I can't even get them to come down to South Mecklenburg. They keep going. They'll run over me on Providence Road at 5 o'clock. And, and, and really, it's I, I moved to this uh, county and this city because it's a beautiful place. Twelve years, 13 years ago when we came here, we were on the right track. We were starting to talk neighborhoods to neighborhoods. We had no voice down there. South Mecklenburg, they just bring your, your money. Where are the neighborhoods? They wouldn't talk to neighborhoods. There are neighborhoods all over this city that are vibrant, that need attention. And I'm not just saying the west side and east side. So what, what down mean? in our area, We've got the most – last point, uh-huh. <laughs> last statistic, and this is not to be a statistic. We are probably the most racially and most ethnically diverse part of the city. It's not just all white people living in – in, in enclaves down there.
2: The most? No. Really? Yeah,
3: no. 30%. My daughter teaches in Mecklenburg, and 30%, 30%? Of, the,
2: of
4: the... 30%. Um, <laughs> we are
3: 90%. Well, okay.
4: At we least, are 90% it, then diverse. And
3: you're not diverse.
4: We're 90% diverse. <laughs> yeah. Our schools have blacks, Asians. So do we. Uh, oh, We're talking 90%. Our neighborhood is a Latino. Major, it's major Latino, and that's, so do we. Definitely. And that's where we have some problems. But, so but see, 30% we got to get back
3: to the neighborhood, so we know this.
5: Well, so what is it? Um, one of one of the biggest things
4: we're that we're
3: played against one another?
5: Definitely, and that is a true factor. But one of the other things that have that has really helped me as a neighborhood president is the neighborhood business services with the city. Yes. They have been oh, instrumental boy. in helping me to to learn a lot of things. I'm from South Carolina. I moved here four years ago, and so I didn't know about all of the things here in Charlotte. And through the business services, I've been able to connect with them through grants and other facilities and things of that nature to be able to get what is needed. Now, that's the problem. When you have such a big need in a community, what's most important? I mean, when you got people that, that are looking for jobs and people who are needing to, to have a place to live, and you've got homeowners and renters, and how do you – the biggest problem is how do you get people to care? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's the hardest thing for the volunteers, for, for people like me, where you're going knocking on doors and you're calling, you're emailing, you got the police department sending out their little phone calls, and then you go to the meeting, and then you have four people show up when you have 700 people in your neighborhood.
2: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I'm curious, too. Um, I mean, when you say, Tim, that we need the city to care about neighborhoods, do. but what does that look like? I mean, does that mean that we need, you know, that you need more grants? Do you need money to, I don't know, what do you need?
3: Um, An example, Uh a sad example, but nevertheless a good example. Last week we all suffered with Boston, okay? Boston is known as the city of neighborhoods. The city fathers, the city saw the value in the differences that each of those neighborhoods made. They worked to pull them together, to recognize, to build a, a representative uh, government that represented all those things. I live in San Antonio. Um, for nine years, I was involved much more. San Antonio is much like Charlotte. The city is the county. The county is the city.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Let me tell you, it's all neighborhood based. San Antonio today has a 5.6% unemployment rate in a majority Hispanic community where the whites and the blacks and the others are, are the minorities, how can you do that? You do it through neighborhoods. You do it through sharing. You do it through partnerships and, and you know, us helping. I'd love to come over and volunteer.
4: Well, come over. You're living in the know, side of town. Come to East Charlotte. We <laughs> yes, all yes, yes, work together. You know, we're so
3: frustrated. We invite you to help us de-annex from Charlotte, and maybe we'll wake them up. No,
4: no. We, East Charlotte, I don't know where... Our, I don't know, but we, our neighborhoods all work
5: together. We have um, no choice because we, we don't have any other hands. We don't have any other monies. We have to work together. We work together. We don't really have, we
2: don't really have much of a
8: we're choice. Not, we want to work all of us together.
3: And I
2: well, agree. So how, does, how does it help things for you, for South Mecklenburg, to secede from, from the city of Charlotte? Well,
3: in, in, the, in, in the sense that uh, that we see nothing changing, at least at least we can take our identity and, and we're not seceding from anything, by the way. We're we're de-annexing. Okay. And the the law got changed, so you no longer can forcibly annex a, an area without the vote, but you can de-annex with a simple vote, as the city's finding out by the general assembly can grant. I've got a, a map here that really looks like a well. Our our thing. motto is the black, you know, a a center city money pit. And and the way neighborhoods were annexed in this town, you can see it into the center, all around, and how they were taken. And then we even changed the way the, we counted people, so that neighborhoods were were minimized and even even um, as you say stigmatized. And that's you know? true. And yes. and we've all been stigmatized. So. We sat outside of a polling place in 1911 when we were, we're getting the, the revaluation (laughs) stuff down our throats and said, look, we gotta do something about this. 2011. 2011, I mean, 19. (laughs) (laughs) 2011. 2011. I get, I get very emotional about this because I care about this city. I care about her neighborhood. I care about your neighborhood. I care about my neighborhood. And we're getting a bad rap in South Mecklenburg.
2: But how does, how does you taking your money and leaving help, help them?
3: I hope. Honestly, we would never have to do that. But I don't see things changing, so we're going to continue to move forward until the city wakes up, until we, we get the center city partners under control, until we start uh, prioritizing to the needs of the different neighborhoods, adjusting to that first. You've got a Taj Mahal up here. You've got all this stuff. I'd like to have some of the potholes filled down there. The east side would, you know, we could if we could re- we could retire a $5 billion debt that this city and county has amassed. It's, it's one step away from a train wreck. And we give $85 million to the Panthers. That sure would help build a streetcar a little bit.
2: Yeah, I know and we some have some things. comments out here in the audience, but I do want to give you, Mr. Carley, a chance if there's, I mean, we've touched on several things here in the last Just few minutes. minutes. <laughs> is, is there anything you're, you're dying to say about uh, what's been discussed?
6: Well, respectfully, uh, I think it's a false choice between the center city and neighborhoods. I don't think it's the pick one. I think it's the pick two. I don't think there are any vibrant, dynamic, successful world-class cities with dead downtowns. I think you've got to have that anchor uh, that is the the jewel of your city, uh, that brings people together and offers the kind of amenities and activities. But at the same time, if you only do that, then it's not going to survive without growth and development and restoration and sustainability of the neighborhoods. And I think the challenge is really trying to find that right mix and ensure that we pay
3: attention to both.
2: Okay. A Great. Can we get Mr. Curley's microphone up just a little bit? He's got a nice, mellow uh,
9: calm. I'm
3: a
2: very sound. soft-spoken guy. <laughs> um, he is. we so would be great to have it kicked up just a little bit. Let's go over here. We've got some in the audience. If you could uh, introduce yourself and tell us where you live, if that applies to the comments.
7: Okay, hey, my name is Todd Gill, and I live just outside of Center City, uh, I guess right behind the, uh, the music factory. Oh, okay. So my question, I wanted to go back, if I could, just for a second, to the streetcar. And I wanted to know how the Lynx Blue Line could inform us of how a streetcar may improve the investment opportunities as well as the growth in those corridors such as they have on South Boulevard. So I'd like to talk about that if we could because I don't have to travel that distance or that direction very often, but as I see things, they seem to be moving in quite a positive direction. And I think that's where people on the west side and east side of Charlotte would like to see their neighborhood neighborhood travel as well. So is there a parallel to be drawn there?
2: Okay. Okay. So, uh, Mr. Carley, I know you are still studying the streetcar, Mm -hmm. but you do know about Mm streetcars. Do you want to take a crack at what he's asking there?
6: Yeah, I I think that's uh, key to uh, whether or not to make a streetcar investment. Uh, the streetcar, which I think suffers actually from the name and some of the images that it creates, is, is on the street rail service. And, and it does connect neighborhoods. this you way. Know, I'm, I'm used to having neighborhood people that know more about things than I do from Arlington. I'm glad I get the same thing here in Charlotte as well. Uh, and, and it does connect neighborhoods. Rail connects in ways that rubber tires don't. Buses can go anywhere you know where rail goes, and that provides the kind of incentive to make investments because you know that infrastructure is going to be there for the long term. And so streetcar light, uh, light rail is both part of a transportation system to enable your street grid to work at a functional level uh, and at a walkable level as you actually grow your population and your business, and at the same time to serve as the economic incentive to be able to concentrate the densities of population that will provide the amenities that you want, like grocery stores, uh, neighborhood uh, service commercial, where there's enough business there to actually support it. And so you, you, want, to, you want to look at a streetcar as a total system. Now the 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 counter one of the challenges, one of the paradoxes, is that the streetcar can stimulate the investment that you want, but can result in gentrification that can have some adverse consequences and displacements in neighborhoods. And so the the land use planning and the protection of neighborhoods becomes again part of a very complex, almost organic system uh, that requires uh, some real. Uh, some real uh, interconnectedness and deep thinking about their transportation and land use plan. They have to go together. Uh, I would say from a planning standpoint, conceptually, I'm pretty impressed with what Charlotte has done because as was explained here, uh, the effort is to really connect activity centers. And that enables people to move from there to there. There is a there there. And then the question is, how much more there can you build along the way? With regard to the specific project that's on the table, I'm still in the process of analyzing both the development and operational cost of the system financial options, and economic development potential from uh, from the potential of the streetcar.
2: And I'm just curious to kind of t- tag along onto that. I mean, do you worry, Diane, that the, – the, that, I mean, you talk about in your neighborhood you've got these homeowners who are original homeowners. They're in their 80s, and then you have young people coming in and buying and fixing up these homes. So do you worry that when the city – comes in and buys Eastland Mall or comes in and, uh, and, and puts in a streetcar that you are going to get priced out of your neighborhood? I mean, we've certainly seen it in other parts of the city that are closer in to Uptown.
1: I
4: don't think so. Uh, a lot of people own their own homes right now, pay for. Uh, I'm not worried about that because we want young business people, young professionals to move in. And the houses are priced I mean, different um, levels. Uh, there are big houses, small houses. Our neighborhood just celebrated its 50th anniversary last year. So we have original, I mean, the houses are well built. They're not humongous houses. They're about 1,300 square feet to 1,700 square feet. Great for a beginning family. Um, same with the duplexes. So, no, I'm not really worried
2: about the, uh, the prices. So the possibility of, for of gentrification but- in a way that...
4: I don't think our neighborhood, what we're trying to do in our neighborhood, and we've got the same problem, (laughs) is getting volunteers, you know. I'll tell you how you get people to come to a meeting. Create a crisis. Definitely. And you will get people to come. And feed them. And feed them. <laughs> Even yeah. that, and feed yes.
7: Them,
4: yes. Uh, we are working very... So we need city grants to provide
2: refreshments <laughs> we
4: at your did. meeting. And
7: yeah, we did. And
4: we do a lot of grants. We're running our fifth grant. And I must say the city, neighborhood, and business, but they're wonderful. Right. They are the best people to work with. Uh, and we're working very hard with our police officers, with code enforcement. Uh, The city has been very, very good to us. Um, I've known a lot of people in the city. I cannot complain about what they've done for us. They're there for us. If I need anything, I just have to call. But it
5: is very hard to get volunteers. And, you know, I I think just to kind of back on another topic, the quality of life, when we look at our, our east side and our west side, Neighborhoods. The quality of life, and there's been quality of life studies done every year in Charlotte. And I, and I really say that every neighborhood should look at their quality of life. And what that means is, how, how close is it to your grocery store, your mall, you're getting the things that you need? That, that, that helps us to understand our quality of life. And unfortunately, the Northwest or the West Side really, really has a problem with our quality of life because everything that we need to get to, if you don't have a car, you're not gonna get to it. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have cars. And in many places, if you do have a car, you're looked at as somebody who's got it. But unfortunately, all of us don't have it. And and it's sad because if my brother is hurting, I too should be hurting. And that's one of the problems that we have on the north side. If we don't help each other, how will we ever, ever be able to affect the quality of life? If my senior citizen neighbor cannot get to the grocery store, it is my responsibility to make sure I do what I need to do to help her. But the city also will have to help me to help my neighbor. Hmm.
3: And you know, that doesn't take a streetcar to do it
8: <laughs> no it, it
3: takes it takes the appreciation of what a neighbor is Definitely. what a neighborhood is and, and, and how cities put together again I'm not holding it up as a paragon but I lived in San Antonio for almost 10 years they own a streetcar. they have a very effective bus system they have neighborhoods what they've done is they've spread out the venues uh, discovery place might be in South Charlotte here um, another, the things that bring neighbors together, rather than citing it in one central location, you spread. Boston's the same way. You take a look at the successful and and, and positive cities. Sure, they've all got problems. Sure, they've got, but it. The, the, there's the chemistry there, and you know you're fighting. Uh, let me just say one last thing. We live in a technological age. Are people going to necessarily settle along these routes? They're going to Twitter. They're working electronically now. The 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 back office for for Bank of America and, and a lot of the companies MetLife is coming in. are down in South Mecklenburg, and those people don't even need to go to South Mecklenburg. They can live down in in in, um, in South Carolina. So how do you build this thing? You've got to location. you've got to build venues, you've got to build neighborhoods.
2: Yeah, okay, so just before we... I'd like to come to this comment right here that we have, but Diane has a good question. What, what do you define as a neighborhood? It's, yours how is so ambiguous.
4: Green neighbor- Tree,
3: Valentine, uh, yeah, no. uh, Providence. But I'm saying... Uh, there, there are large neighborhoods. The neighborhoods, you're not talking about the people
4: at all. You're talking about a space. No, I'm
3: you're not. You're not
4: talking about people as we are. That we help each other, we try to help each other as Definitely. much as we can, we're there for each other, we work with each other. Your definition of a neighborhood is so ambiguous.
5: It's it's not people, it's a place.
3: No, it's not. And it's you know, to put a,
5: put a face on this reality about the streetcars... My son is 20 years old, and he does not have a car. I have a vehicle, and I, have to, I work in South Carolina, so it's just, that's an hour drive. So when I leave and he needs to go look for a job or to get whatever he needs to do, when he tried to go to Westinghouse Boulevard, he could not catch a bus there because um, the bus did not go out that far. So, therefore, what was he supposed to do? He needs a job. He's an African American in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we don't want him to be arrested or anything like that. To have this negative stereotype. And so therefore, when, when our kids or people can't get to where they need to get to, what are we supposed to do? And so to me, the streetcar would answer some of these things for us, for the west side and the east side. It will help us to get where we need to go when the buses can't get them there because this is a real reality for people. I mean, real people who don't have cars or the ability to go as easily as some of us
2: can. That would certainly depend on the route of the streetcar. It's not going to go west. Well, I town. know. I, yeah, not, yeah,
5: yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you're there.
3: on the. Yeah, and, again, and in some I understand cases, what it's going to be. And yeah. I, and definitely. I feel deeply what what you're saying, right. and, and I appreciate that. Thank and, you.
2: And Let's take a comment. That the
3: streetcar <laughs> may
10: not be the answer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let's <laughs> take a comment down Ryan. here.
10: Thanks. Good evening. Um, where do thank you. Live? you. Uh, my name is Jay Wilson. I live in Echo Hills, which is probably one of the smaller neighborhoods um, in Charlotte. We're uh, off of Monroe Road, just inside of Route 4.
8: Mm-hmm.
10: A great little urban neighborhood. And I'd like to thank WFAE for putting on this conversation and Mr. Carly for showing up. I had this kind of fantasy that it would be just a couple of people, and maybe I could <laughs> have uh, the city managers here all night long.
11: <laughs> <the case. clears throat>
10: but uh, I wanted to go back to one of Diane's comments earlier about the when she was talking about diversity and 90% diverse or something like that. And I think it's an interesting problem for you, Mr. City Manager, is that one of the biggest hurdles I see um, as a young professional or an aging young professional in Charlotte, um, there's a lot of people who want to live. I think I am. The dream dream never dies. That's good. Um, Can you
2: hold the mic up just a little closer so we can hear
10: you? Sorry. But the the, – Thing I see is Charlotte is, has a, a lot of great qualities, and a lot of people want to live in Charlotte and close to Charlotte and close to downtown, especially folks my age and younger who are concerned about their carbon footprint and concerned about the legacy we leave for our children and their children, and want to think more in a community um, community mind. And one of the biggest problems that we have in our neighborhood is um, people come in as young professionals, starry-eyed and dreamy, like I did when I moved in, and you. Uh, find your soulmate fall in love have children and you realize there's this big obstacle for everyone who doesn't live in south charlotte and it's, it's schools and of course the city has no control over the schools it's a cms thing uh, i sure mecklenburg county funded uh, endeavor but it, i think it speaks to one of the problems in charlotte is there's so many people with pieces of the pie. You have Mecklenburg County controlling money for schools and social services. And you have the city of Charlotte with cats and transportation. And you have the county doing zoning and the city doing permits and the county doing permits. And there's all these people who are controlling and tugging in different directions. And one of the real problems it creates in our community is um, we find ways to tackle this. we knew we figured out that in, if you were in a Title One school district, you had to be given a choice. A few years ago, you had to be provided an alternative school, and so all these people flocked to these urban neighborhoods—Chantilly, um, Sheffield, um, Winterfield, probably Commonwealth, Eastover Park—all these little neighborhoods: Echo Hills, Oakhurst. And they knew that if um, you know this, they had a choice, if they decided to have children, well, North Carolina passed the No Child Left Behind uh, waiver and got the ability to drop that requirement. And so last summer when when North Carolina decided to do that, I think property values in my neighborhood probably dropped 30% on on a single vote because now if you didn't get into a magnet school, you were stuck in your neighborhood school, no questions about it. So people who had done massive renovations, um, trying to build a community are now saying, well, we're gonna just sell because when it comes to our children, we have a choice. We can go to the suburbs, we can come join Tim. We can all flock to South Charlotte and overburden their resources. We'd rather stay where we are, um, but that's one of the big issues I think that you're going to have to fight through, and maybe um, I think I don't agree with much of what Tim has to say, but I do agree with some things. I think that Center City does have a disparate um, uh, allocation of the resources, and that's unfortunate, and uh, um, one final note is uh, in addition to the schools and the um, the different permitting agencies that you have to navigate to build in the city of Charlotte, you also have um, the east side corridor issue, which is like the big, you know, um, the big bear in the room, the big elephant in the room, is it's, it's Independence Boulevard, where mm-hmm. mistakes that previous city council made, and previous planning managers, and previous city managers in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and it, no one here has any responsibility for that, but they, there were bad mistakes made on Monroe Road. Um, you know, great could be a great corridor. It's a state road. The city can't do anything to it. They're not willing to go buy, you know, buy properties, capital investment. South Charlotte would, would cry to high heaven if the, you know the city went to, to buy these per, uh, properties and and try to affect the change, try to right a long wrong. But those are some of the things you're going to have to figure out some way to deal with and and address. And I think that um, um, in that light, people escape, come to Charlotte for the jobs. And then they go to the bedroom communities for the schools. So maybe one thing we ought to think about is lowering property taxes for the folks that are gonna have a a presence in the community, not use so many resources to go back and forth to where they're going, and institute a payroll tax so that the folks who enjoy the high high paying jobs and the the resources of Center City um, and and all the benefits that that investment in Center City has um, started producing and use that to benefit all of Charlotte's residents, the West Charlotte folks, the North Charlotte folks, the East Charlotte folks, and yes, the South Charlotte folks. Um, so I think that might be one way to start encouraging a, a reversal of this migration, because I, I don't see it changing Thank from you. my point of view.
2: Great. Well, a, lo- a lot there. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so I mean, I'm curious, anything that you feel like you want to respond to? But I do think that's really interesting, and I have heard this from other neighborhoods, this this. This idea of as these neighborhoods, you you know, you want to get people to come into some of these neighborhoods. Maybe you see the same thing, too, where people feel like they need to go elsewhere because they're going to come in, they're going to invest, and then they're going to go elsewhere because of the schools. And what can you do about that? What can the city do about that?
6: Sure. Well, it would be easy for me to say the schools aren't my problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they are. But they clearly are. But they are. Uh, And so I spent a considerable amount of time this afternoon with the superintendent. Mm -hmm. Uh, to begin to establish that relationship, so that we actually can coordinate together, uh, you cannot have a, a great city without great schools. You just you can't do it. Uh, and so, so I, I think we really do have to engage. the The, the critical themes that are, are so fundamental are, are very clear. You got to have you got to have really great schools. You've got to have a sense of security in the community. It's not just crime rate, it's how people feel with regard to safety. People have to have jobs. Yes. And people have to have uh, affordable and safe housing. Now, if you can give, if you can ensure that people have that foundation, then you can do all the other wonderful things and, and people can thrive and communities can thrive. Uh, schools, schools are definitely a challenge. Uh, But you've got a fairly new superintendent. Uh, I think he's got some creative ideas. Uh, I'm certainly going to work with him, Uh, likewise with the county manager. The fragmentation of decision-making that you're raising is... Uh, It it runs rampant throughout this country. Uh, It's very problematic. And, of course, creation of themes like authorities by state legislators, further fragment uh, decision-making and authority. Uh, But you can't, as a a city leader myself, I can say I cannot use that as an excuse. It is my responsibility and those of my (coughs) colleagues and other agencies to come together and plan together and work together in a coordinated way. And that is a high-level commitment of mine.
2: Right. um let's uh, we have a couple of comments I think that have come through by uh, uh, up here in the front let's get the this is uh, Jennifer from WFAE who's gonna share I guess a comment that we've gotten online or through our texting.
12: Right. Uh, Renee has emailed, I'm struck by Mr. Timmer- Timmerman's assumption that the growth in Center City and nearby neighborhoods is a result of city spending. As a young professional, probably 30 years younger than Tim.
2: Hold on a th- second. I need you to talk a little bit louder. Okay. There you go. Okay. So slow down and read it again.
12: I'm struck by Mr. Timmerman's assumption that the growth in Center City and nearby neighborhoods is a result of city spending. As a young professional, probably 30 years younger than Tim, I know that myself and many of my peers aspire to live as close to Center City as possible, only necessary because we've driven up the prices of close-in neighborhoods. Moving further south is seen as a downgrade. Perhaps Tim's perspective is based on an older generation's view. Many of the younger generation don't want to be tied to a car at all times either.
2: Okay. So, so uh, you know, young
4: you professional. I'm going to repeat it. what
2: they said there. So, um, young professional in the room talking about how um, young people, young professionals, part of the growth in Center City is people are wanting to come, young people are wanting to live close to where they work, that they're attracted to the Center City so that actually some of this investment has inspired the growth in, in Center City and that there is a whole younger generation, they're saying, that of people who see moving to South Charlotte as sort of a downgrade in life, whereas maybe, you know, there's a group that doesn't want to live in the suburbs anymore, so that there is value to um, investment in the Center I'm City. I'm not saying
3: there isn't, but when is enough enough? Um, when you look, and I've got a couple charts here that, uh, that I use, and it actually gave rise to our our thing we got the money pit and it shows how the various neighborhoods were annexed, okay? And involuntarily annexed by the way, and that's now stopped. Um, but the, the point being that that people have different lifestyles. We're back to the neighborhoods. I resent I, I, I don't resent, but I understand where you have one view of what a neighborhood is, another view. But I would suggest that in a city as, as, as wide and as big as Charlotte is, you can have room for all types of neighborhoods. Now, the reason that the schools in South Mecklenburg are valued to this city and people move down, they move down there for the schools. They get half the amount of money that uh, other districts around the, the, the city do. So you've got people with lifestyles with young kids, they want to move down there. You've got empty nesters, you've got people that uh, are retired or, or young people who who are coming through and, and, and are, they want to live up here. The, the the challenge for a city manager is to accommodate all those things and I just would suggest and, and, and we don't see it happening. That's why SMART is suggesting that we need to get smart around here and, and start thinking in larger terms. You, you were saying some of that in terms of, of the challenges, but it's not one size fits all. No, it's not. It, it's not a streetcar. That's not a magic solution. It's not a bus lane here. It's not in. Has anybody driven down Independence lately? Looks like a battle zone. It's a sad, sad commentary of what used to be a very vibrant part of Charlotte. We're destroying
2: it. Why? State. state. Stay Let's go here. We have a comment here. So speak right into the mic and introduce yourself, please.
9: Good night, and I want to thank WFAE for doing this. This is this is of value uh, to this community. I'm Brenda Campbell. I was born about one block off the corner of Plaza and Central Avenue and lived there my whole growing up life. I now live near Park Road Shopping Center. I spent about 24 years living out in the suburbs in East Mecklenburg and could not wait to get back into mm-hmm. the city. Um, one of the th- – I really under stress, Tim, particularly, um, on the adversarial attitude of the South Charlotte um, that your group is inspiring to. Um, Center City Partners is, is not without some faults, but Center City Partners is majoritically funded by the landowners that pay property taxes in – that that area i used to have a small business in downtown charlotte i paid an additional tax to city center part to the city that went to city center partners that worked hard to create a vibrant city that your folks that live down there come they come to the blooming fall they come to the night theater they come, they come to the Mint Museum, they come down to the bars and the restaurants and all, because it's a city. And what makes the city is the neighborhoods, it is the downtown. The downtown of, of Charlotte is what brought the DNC to the city and brought more recognition to Charlotte and more volunteers that have worked on a project and more notoriety than anything in the world. And it was downtown Charlotte. And so I think we need to look beyond this adversarial relationship of what downtown Charlotte gets, but we need to improve the transportation to not only downtown Charlotte, but spiderweb the transit all over the county. Definitely. Definitely. We need we need to have the streetcar because it is proven over and over and over again that streetcars have hard rails and investors invest in that. That's why South End is growing like it's growing. That's why the area is all growing because it's along the the light rail. It's going to grow on the Red Line if we ever have it. It's going to grow on the extension. I mean, no dies, is just, just quivering with anticipation of having it.
8: The university
9: area, is, it's going to be such a boom for the university area. Um, the greenways that we've developed have been wonderful for those areas that have had it. But we've got to have the neighborhoods, but we can't have neighborhoods when we have an adversarial relationship
3: with the other people in the city.
9: Thank you. And, so,
0: can I okay. Go ahead.
8: When
3: when we say adversarial relationship, I understand where you're coming from totally. But there there comes a point when you've been fleeced a hundred million times, and you you hope that some of the money would go elsewhere except Center City, and that that you you give eighty five million dollars to the Panthers, you, you build a, a a NASCAR Hall of Fame that's underwater, you do do all these things that take money from. From them, our safety, our, our neighborhoods are suffering down there. Our schools get half the monies from the county that the other areas do. We, we still have the top. Uh, it's not because of money. It's because of volunteers, PTAs, people that go in. It's not nameless people. Everybody's involved. But the whole, you're right. We've got to have the infrastructure. We've got to have the interrelationship so all this can pull together. Now, Should it all be up here? I don't know. I I would suggest there are other towns. How can a a city of million two, San Antonio, get along with a 5.6% unemployment rate? We've got a 10% unemployment rate here without streetcars, without, they've got a great bus line system and they've got ways you can get around to the neighborhoods.
2: Tell me about car.
3: this picture, huh?
2: <laughs> just, just, <laughs> They're building a streetcar apparently in San Antonio I Hate to the bubble. <laughs> I do just, j- feel compelled. Just,
6: just as one, one, yes. one fact okay. check here. Again, I, I don't want to be argumentative at all, uh, but the money for the Panthers could not have gone to the neighborhoods. It's a special tax uh, of the hospitality industry uh, that uh, is targeted to the convention center and could have only been used in the convention center and people came together and decided it was appropriate in order to support the hospitality industry for which the tax, on which the tax is implemented to try to keep the Panthers and the Carolinas.
2: And I also do feel compelled to just clarify because um, we've invoked the name of Center City Partners a number of times here tonight. And I I just wanna make sure that um, there may be some people who aren't totally clear on exactly what we're talking about. So um, Center City Partners is an organization that is responsible and is funded by a special tax within the the uptown loop here, and they also have some south end. So there's a special tax on on businesses in that area that they pay that funds the administration and the promotion of uptown uh, development and needs. Center City Partners is um, a booster for the uptown area, but Center City Partners has not funded the – night theater or the, I mean that's a general city tax. The development that happens downtown is supported and encouraged by Center City Partners but is not funded only by Center City Partners taxes. So that's one thing to clarify. Um, And then also just incidentally, University area also has a counterpart to Center City Partners. It's called University City Partners, UCP. Um, Also has a special taxing district that they collect significantly less than what Center City Partners collects, but there is a university, I don't know if Mary Hopper is here tonight, but there is a University City Partners um, group that uh, that has the same responsibility to kind of boost and encourage development in University City. So, that is, um, so that's what we're talking about. When he says Center City Partners, um, they're a booster group, but not necessarily the reason that Center City is what it is. Obviously, we've all contributed to that and it's been a long, long process. So I wanted just to make sure we got that. Let's go back here. Uh, to someone back in the back there yeah tell us your name and where you're where you live
13: hi Mike Trivett my fiance and I moved here about six months ago from Bethesda Maryland just outside of Washington DC we literally just bought a house in Plaza Midwood we live in Dilworth now so Welcome. my question and it kind of expands on you know my neighbor who spoke just a second ago about public transportation you know we came from a place that had a, a pretty world-class system of Metro that could get you from Bethesda to downtown D.C. to Arlington, where I lived previously, it was efficient, it moved people, it got people to their jobs. So my question to Mr. Carley is, is Charlotte going to expand the light rail, which almost seems like a novelty now? I mean, I see a light rail car going from South Boulevard to Uptown. I don't take it because it's not that efficient. It's a couple cars. It doesn't look like it's really the best way to move a lot of people around. So, what's the city's stance on expanding that? And is that maybe a more efficient system than a streetcar? And I don't know what the streetcar routes would be, but I know from having lived in a city with a great metro. It made a lot of sense, and it moved a lot of people efficiently and, I think, really connected neighborhoods. So I could be in Adams, Morgan, or Arlington, or wherever else quickly and get to experience all these different parts of the city.
2: Great. Sure. And we've got some uh, folks over here so we can get the mics going. Uh, just on
6: just right very here. quickly, they're, they're complementary systems. And so, yes, the the light rail system in Washington, D.C. is vital to Washington, D.C., and the inner suburbs being what it is. It saved my community, Arlington, from being a dying inner suburb. It was was on the peak of absolute, complete disaster in the uh, 1960s and early 1970s, closing schools, no investment in the retail corridor, losing population, and it really was like rail that turned Arlington around. Uh, completely. Uh, Arlington is now in the process of doing a streetcar down Columbia Pike, which is a different corridor that had not had investment in a generation as well. And once we did the land use plans and the streetcar plan, which is uh, uh, moving forward now, we had five major investments for the first time literally in a generation. But it's combining the, the land use planning uh, with the transportation. And so, yes, the, the blue line is intended, and the funding is actually – we just got it from notice from so the So you may not, not know, right. actually,
2: the light rail is going to
6: the Yeah, it goes all the way area. up to uh, yeah, UNCC, and we just got notice of federal funds for that uh, within the past week. So, yes, there's a lot more to be done there.
2: Um, We've we got about a half an hour. I'd like to get it through as many comments as we can, so um, keep it as brief as you can, and we'll try to run through a bunch of these. Let's go over here.
12: Hi, um, my name is Liz Eagle. I'm the president of the Villa Heights Community Organization. It's actually along the – new... up, you. Okay. You. Hi. All right. I'll start again. I'm Liz Eagle. I'm the president of the Villa Heights Community Organization. Villa Heights, if you're not aware, is located right before you get to NODA down North Davidson. And we are really excited about the light rail extension. We've had a lot of meetings. A lot of UNC master students come to our association meetings. Um, I'm not really here to say anything about the light rail extension. What I am here to say is what has worked in our neighborhood. We have seen so many dramatically positive changes on a next-to-nothing budget. So it's very – I say the word humorous with a respectful tone, but it's almost humorous to me to hear where the funds are going and who's getting funds and who's sad and upset that they're not getting funds because we have nothing. I have um, $25 in cash in my bag that somebody gave to me at our last meeting, and that's all I have.
2: Um, we're trying to decide if
12: we want to buy brownies or if we want to get some coffee. So that's our what big... what are the
2: changes? What What is the actual change been? Then? The
12: changes have been that our, we started about... Seven to 10 years ago, with our previous president, Michael Geller, he began a neighborhood watch program. What that did was it incorporated some of the older residents of our neighborhood and brought in some of the newer faces. It began to fight crime. The Eastway Division has been phenomenal working with us. We have seen so many great changes. Again, those are city funds because they are the police department, but nothing coming from us, nothing coming to us. Um, A lot of the growth around us with Plaza Midwood and NODA have kind of helped us as well. But the way that we are maintaining our identity, the way that we are continuing to grow positively is by something that um, Mr. Carley said earlier was um – we heard some things about renters, and we get a lot of bad rap for renters. And, yes, we have some horrible renters. They actually live pretty much in my backyard, and they're <laughs> quite loud. Uh, so we do get a lot of that. But we also, my husband and I, um, we've lived in the area for three years, and we're renters. And we do a pretty good job with our home, and we've taken a lot of responsibility. So the thought that all renters are not invested is not necessarily fair. And what Mr. Carley said was, what are you doing to engage your renters? Um, one thing that's helped our neighborhood, and of course we're near the Art District, was doing some art projects, doing some community gardening, starting some different things that are engaging people with very little funding. We've needed signs that tell us about our neighborhood meetings for years. So finally, some guy came to our meeting, donated them. I went to Dollar General and bought some sharpies and wrote it on there. And we've seen an increase in our meetings just from that. You don't. It would be nice to have money come into our neighborhood. Obviously, I think all neighborhoods can agree with that. But it's kind of like what my preschool teacher, my kid's preschool teacher, teaches her: um, you get what you get, and you don't put your fit, and you do you do the best with what you've got, and that's what we've done. And. That takes a lot away from, like our um, neighbor down here has mentioned, the adversary and the different tension between different neighborhoods. When you just realize that your neighborhood can thrive indigenously, Um, it's nice if the city can help. But when we begin to take a responsibility and encourage our neighbors to take responsibility, that's when we see the true growth. Thank you. Great. Let's, uh,
2: Let's go over here. For, for the record, I'm a renter too currently. Up. <laughs> uptown, right? You live uptown? I
14: am uptown. Okay. Uh, I'm Scott Adams and I live in, I guess it's Plaza Hills, Plaza Shamrock, pretty much right across from uh, the plaza from Villa Heights. And I too am a renter. Uh, my quick comment about, you know, renters versus owners is I, I don't think that's the issue. I think it's basically an issue of, on the city's part, codes enforcement yes. and then also neighbors uh, just taking an active uh in their, neighbor, their neighborhoods. Uh, I mean, if you look at something called the broken windows theory, it's basically saying, you know, somebody throws one rock through a window, nobody does anything. That encourages people to throw another rock. It's the same thing with litter. I'm uh, walking my dog, I'll pick up trash uh, in addition to her uh, belongings. So, uh, just another quick thought I had on, uh, in terms of, you know, using what we have, uh, the transit discussion, I I support the streetcar and believe that it can implement all the benefits that it uh, has in other cities. On the same note, though, I think that the bus system is still going to be the backbone of our transit system, as it is in any city, and that we should take a a good, hard look at how we currently use funds for our bus system, because that still has the largest amount of area coverage and frequency. Thank you.
11: Thank you.
2: Uh, Let's go back here.
11: Hi, thank you. My name is Linda, and we actually have property in Wilmore and over on the east side, Sheffield. Uh, uh, Julie, you had asked early on, asked Tim, well, what, what do you need? What You know, how can we, do we need more grants? And I don't, and Tim doesn't necessarily want to hear, yeah, more money, more money to the neighborhoods. I don't, and I don't really think that that's the answer, you know people are saying here, you know, the neighborhood needs to take some responsibility, we need more volunteers. Well, if um what I what I heard at that moment is less we need less money at and we need more identity and uh, a sense of well this is my neighborhood and this is what's good and that's marketing. That's having that's having a, a publication or a web pages that have it all together. And this is what's great about this neighborhood, and this is what's great about that neighborhood. In addition, I also heard um, Viveka talk about uh, the renters, and, and uh, Diane talked about Diana talked about the renters not being invested and emotionally. Um, and that can be because their parents, the, 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 the people who live there, aren't able to teach that to, to their children. And what occurred to me is the neighborhood associations can volunteer at the schools and have programs, small end-of-the-afternoon programs about this is what community is, this is what neighborhoods do for each other, picking up the litter, uh, uh, cleaning up the streets, asking your neighbor, when are you going to mow your lawn? Um, uh, you know, you see the landlord come by to pick up the check, walk over to the landlord's car and say, you know, I noticed this is going on in your property. Your your tenants aren't going to tell you this, but, you, you know, we can call the police, we can call the city, but I'm talking to you. Those type of activities where, you know, you're really, from the ground up, Little kids on up, involving them. Well, what does it mean to be a community? What does it mean to be neighborhoods? And how can we, each one of our neighborhoods, form a relationship, you know, west side to south side to, you know, have a feeling as to not just, oh, well, that's the bad part of town. I don't want my grandmother to live over there. So that's, those Thank are my you. two cents, my, my thoughts. Thank you. All
2: right. Good. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, go over here.
13: Hi, I'm Ari... Yes, that's good. Right up there. Hi, I'm Ari Whiteley. Uh, I live in the Greer Heights neighborhood over on East Charlotte area. I don't know if you know that neighborhood, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of good people. Some of them not in the best situations, but I heard a lot of talk tonight about transportation, and I didn't hear anyone mention... Bicycles. So let's talk about bikes for one second. Yes. Um, uh, With a lot of younger people coming in to Charlotte to grow their families, I know some people don't really like bikers. That's okay. But I think if we made Charlotte potentially in the future more bike friendly, it would be a way to cut back on traffic, reduce carbon emissions, all that good jazz. But I just think that's something to think about for the future, of Charlotte. What
2: do you think, Mr. Carley?
6: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And and what happens? Actually, what happens when you expand the transit options is that you actually have more people walking and biking to transit, and so you, you can't you can't just put in you know streetcars and light rail. You've got to put in sidewalks. You've got to put in bike lanes, and then you get really a multimodal transportation system, and you get healthier communities.
8: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, right here.
0: Yeah, my name is Eliyahu from Israel. Uh, I'm in Pineville. I just moved here, I'm um, from upstate New York, I'm a snow refugee, so, okay. um, and I really appreciate the light rail was one of the things that I really looked at when we were looking around at cities, I transferred with my job, but it's fantastic, I mean, it it has the potential to really be something. If it was, as uh, um, this uh, lady right over here, she mentioned, if it was like spider webbed, if... You know I mean I know a lot of people are very skeptical of it and I, I suppose that um, I, I haven't been here that long um, that uh, a lot of people were against it and it turned out to be fantastic even just the small area it covers if it really pulled in from everywhere and you know you could transfer in Center city to anywhere you know like a um, um, literal like spiderweb shape it could really do a lot. Um, I've biked into work. Um, here, and boy, that's that's kind of dangerous.
2: Now,
8: like,
0: seriously, like, literally. Yeah. yeah, I've done it, yeah, early in the morning. Is, you don't want to do that. You can avoid it. Um, so that's that's where the public transportation is incredibly beneficial because, you know, being out on the road, seventy-seven, 85, you're not going anywhere at certain hours of the day. I mean, you will not move. You will just be sitting there. Good time to listen to WFA, right? <laughs> but, but for real, I mean, that, that, that is one of the... If you can if if that can be done, that will change the nature of the city. People will come here because they won't have to sit in traffic. There there will be more opportunity to walk, get around, you know businesses will set up near it. I mean it's already been shown. The question is what are we waiting for? You know, how how do we get this going and working automatically? And I want to know if anyone knows how do I get involved with some of these neighborhood organizations. We're looking to buy a house. I resisted buying in New York, came here, we want to buy and you know, I, I'm definitely looking at closer to or possibly into Center City. You know, I mean, um, that's the neighborhood, that's the area that I prefer to move to with my uh, my family. So, what are some of the resources I can look to?
5: Neighborhood, neighborhood. and business services yeah. would be the first yeah. place that you you should go to. If you go on the website, you can look up neighborhood and business services with the city. And uh, First Ward is one of the places, one of the neighborhoods at, uh, downtown. But if you call them, they will give you all of the information you need for the neighborhoods.
2: Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's work in some more comments here. Yes, sir.
7: Hi. Uh, my name is Ron Kreider. Um, not many people have spoken from the Wedge. I live in the Wedge. And um, I just want to make it clear that everybody in the Wedge doesn't share the South Mecklenburg concept. I thought we lived in Charlotte. Um, It sort of bothered me that you refer to it constantly as South Mecklenburg. You're in the city of Charlotte. I use the east side. I work in the west side. Now I work in Union County. But it's our city. It's a total city. And we have to think of it as a city, not west, east, north, south. Um, And I guess that really bothers me that, that we're trying to create this mythical adversarial um, debate here, because we're talking about improving Charlotte for all. And I honestly don't mind paying my taxes in the wedge to help support because I enjoy everything in all the other parts of the city. That's what makes a city great. We make reference to New York. We make reference to Philly, to San Antonio. They're not great because they've got one group that doesn't want to pay. They're great because everybody invests in the city collectively. That's the only way it's going to improve. I'm very happy. I know Charlotte from the 70s. I remember when downtown was a disaster. And I also remember when it was great, when you walked down the street with women in gloves shopping from Montalda's (laughs) to Tallheimers. Okay? So... We can do this again, and we can't do it though if we start being so picky you about well, my neighborhood needs a sidewalk and mine needs this. We need to think about the greater good and all these ideas that have been um, spotted all around the room, the spider webbing of transportation, the the streetcar, some of these are non just are no brainers. And we just need to open our eyes to the fact that we're a collective group, it's a city. And you know, we have a lot of suburban areas here, and this, this concept of urban versus suburban, we're a city. And the city should come together as a whole and use our resources, resources collectively, share resources, okay? And so we may have put in more money into, into Uptown over the last decade or so. And look what it has done for us, to your point. Look what it's done. Now we spread the wealth. Okay, but we can't do this if we, if we consider ourselves not even a part of Charlotte. Okay. Thank you. you, you wanna, go ahead. We would love
3: to consider ourselves part of Charlotte. We are, whether we like it or not at this point. But unless things change, we're all going to be part of the train wreck. So this city is five billion dollars in debt. There is no money. The the, the the big secret is that that without raising taxes, very much so, with a with a revaluation that's going to have a lot of homeowners getting rebates, there's going to have to be some rethinking. Now, the center city had its day. The Kretzfelds, the the uh, the bankers built it up. That's great, but now we need to build up the rest of the city, and frankly, smart does not see, without a major change of attitude, those kinds of things happening. If they were happening, I wouldn't be sitting here.
7: I,
6: I, 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 don't, I don't understand the comment about the city being in debt. I mean, we certainly have debt, uh, but we have a balance.
3: $4.2 billion at last. Yeah,
6: but we also have a balanced budget, a 16% reserve, and AAA bond rating.
3: That's not, that's all accounting. Wizardry. No, you have a flat no, uh, and a, a debt, and then you add the county on top of that. It's north it, of five billion dollars.
6: But but, it, but it's real money, and and the fact is that you can't build a city and make the investments on a cash basis any more than we can buy homes or cars on a cash basis. And so, is there anybody in the world that's not in debt? And is there any great city that does not carry debt? that is invested in its infrastructure, okay. I guarantee you San Antonio has debt.
0: <laughs> and it's
3: much less than Charlotte. That, 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 let me just phrase it this way. No, where, where I was that's, at, that's an a, objective I was a question we at Valentine. Julie was there. And the mayor was talking about the streetcar shortly thereafter was defeated. and And we stood up. We said, Mayor, thanks for coming down. You know, there are certainly different ways to define this city. And what I've heard a lot about tonight is this city doesn't go much beyond two hundred and seventy-seven. Goes over in the west. Goes over on the east a little bit. But there's a heck of a lot more city elsewhere. I said, Mayor, when are you going to be the mayor of all of Charlotte? And it goes back to your point. And and you wonder why there's there there's uh, there's angst and there's uh, disagreement and we're unhappy.
2: All right, we're just a few minutes left, so we're gonna go over here and then I think we'll have time to take one more and then we're gonna to have to call it call it good. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm
9: Kathy Donner and I guess I'm also in the kind of center wedge. But I think it's that wedge and all the people in the crescent around and the, that are close in that have supported and
2: built the infrastructure for the areas that you lived in and remember that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yes. Thanks.
14: Murph Archibald. I live uh, pretty much downtown. I moved here 30 years ago from Alaska. I want to direct
6: this question really pointedly to Mr. Carley. I know you're new, sir, but I'm, I'm not going to let you run away from it. The issue that came up a few minutes ago having to do with payroll tax. Every single thing that's been talked about tonight is, in effect, between the lines is crying out for how do we get additional money to do things. You know, transportation infrastructure, schools, etc. My mother was a school, public school teacher, it's very close to my heart. Payroll taxes. Could you quickly say how do they work? Where they have been successful? They were successful when I lived in Philly 40 years ago. And how much money approximately could be generated by payroll taxes here in Charlotte? Uh, the amount of money, I, I don't know. It would be a very large number, and they work essentially as a as a flat tax uh, and usually at very low rates applied on wages. Uh, the reality is I'm, I'm not a person who says it can't be done, uh, but uh, trying to get any tax through this General Assembly I, I <laughs> comes very, clo- very close to a law of nature. And... <laughs> And, and, uh, and there's no way the city could make that kind of change even if we agree to it without legislative approval.
2: Um, I think we are uh, – we have five minutes. Okay, so those were quick questions. Let's do one more right here before we can take a few final comments from our panelists.
1: Yeah, my name is Richard Bussey. I'm from the Graham Heights, and my question is directed to Diane. Now, you said that you don't have any problem getting – what you needed from the city? Mm-hmm. Well, Graham Heights is having a hard time of getting <laughs> city <laughs> responding to some of the things that we put ours in matching grants.
11: Mm-hmm. Matching grants. Yeah. yeah,
1: these people are not even returning our calls. I mean, how how do you explain that? I mean, oh. I. I, I, What's your I mean, you don't you have a problem.
4: My little trick was I sent an email one time, and I said, "Is anybody listening?" And I sent it to everybody in the matching grant. I got emails immediately. You just have to stay in constant communication. You just have to network. Uh, it's a lot of work. I spend hours on the phone on the email. It's uh, a working relation. It's very difficult, but I get it done. Um, well,
1: we we we've been trying to have a good relationship with with people that we voted in to do the work that they're supposed to do. To do
4: the president, and
1: these guys are acting like they're on the golf course or
2: <laughs> you know
4: cross the water
1: somewhere. They, you know, you know, they don't even return <laughs> your calls. So that's what I got a problem with. I got a problem with we paying taxes. And on TV, they're arguing back and forth where they're going to spend the money, millions of dollars. But they ain't talking about putting any back into these low-income neighborhoods like Graham Heights and... uh,
5: On the west side.
1: Right, the west side. I mean, they they, they, uh, seem like they promote certain people to those areas. They'll tie down a low-income apartment over here. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sir, but I mean, I mean, I mean that's, this, this is the this is thing that it comes back to basically what this man is saying right here. You know, we sit and laugh about things, but you need to really think about some of the things that he's saying. I agree with quite a, quite a bit of the stuff that he's saying because of the way the city is doing things. And I mean, you you know, you can say what you want to say. They put it on TV. You all you got to do is watch, watch, (laughs) watch television, and they tell you exactly. And they got two groups of people up there arguing back and forth. Here, the taxpayers sitting back there. You know, what can we do?
2: Thank you, sir. I mean. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And the good news for you is that we have uh, Councilwoman Claire Fallon here in the audience, and I'm sure she has a business card on her, and she's an at-large. She? Go she to city a- council.
3: Hey, Claire, you haven't yelled at me yet. <laughs> hey,
2: Claire, you haven't yelled at me
1: she's, yet. She's uh, at, a, uh, at a, an at-large. She's over there being real quiet. I, you know. just, just
2: a second. We'll, uh, we'll give her a quick second to say, there's a, a microphone right here, Councilwoman, you can, uh... at-large, city Council. I'm at-large someone
8: should have answered you absolutely i don't know do you know who your district leader is well that's where you start with your district leader for the things you need i'm at large i'll help you i gave you my card please call me tomorrow all right this is one city all right i'm sorry tim this is one city if we divide ourselves then we will start with spanish white black we will become ethnic, and we will tear ourselves That's apart. Right. We really. are one city. All right? Thank you. We can no longer annex, which means we have to live within our environment which means all of us have to learn to live together. We have to help. I have a 40-40 plan. Forget streetcar and everything. I want to put $40 million in two, three, and five. I want to subsidize grocery stores if we have to, so people don't have to walk three miles for a grocery store. I want every lot that has weeds as high as I am, and that's 4 feet 10, (laughs) (laughs) cut down in a park, put in for a child, or a greenway. So, people look at their communities and are proud of them. I want lighting, which we don't have, and it should be buried Duke. All right? I want places that people feel they can talk to one another because that makes a community not separating yourself because you don't want to pay taxes that you think are going to other people. We built Valentine. When I came here,
12: it had two
8: big arches with hieroglyphics and there was nothing no! there. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor. you, You have sewers and roads and schools We paid for it. The people in this audience. But you didn't build
7: it.
3: We (laughs) built it. No, you
2: did not
8: build (laughs) it. Yes, we did. (laughs) The
3: people
2: in this room paid for it, Tim. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thank you all. I want to give um, just a quick moment. If there are any parting comments you have, just maybe one minute we can uh, uh, run through. If there's anything you feel like you need to add or would like to add, Viveka.
5: Well, you know, I, I'm really thankful to have the West Side supported here on this on this panel so that we don't lose sight that there are different aspects and different ways that we all live. And like you said, we all are people in this one
2: city. Thank you.
3: And if uh, I have to be the lightning rod or Smart has to be the lightning rod to wake the city up and do some of the things that Claire's talking about, getting back to one city, but we're not one city today, I'm here to tell you.
4: All I have to say is, Our neighborhood, we're very pleased with what the city has to offer us. It's a lot of work. It's not something you just sit back and say, I want a grant. It's a lot of work, and we have to follow up. But the city has been very good to us, where we have a community garden. We work with our schools. We work with our policemen. We work with our councilmen. And it's networking, and just stay with it. Thank you.
6: Well, this is my first community meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and and I'm, I'm thrilled with the quality of the dialogue here. I want to, again, thank the community leaders that are here for what you do for your neighborhood and for our city, uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, next going actually into the neighborhoods and really learning firsthand about the issues the needs are. We do have to invest in our neighborhoods. The City Council made that very clear to me, Mayor and Council both, as I went through my interview process. And that is going to be a very high priority of mine, working with all of the city staff and the other agencies to make sure we are doing neighborhood investment.
2: Thank you.